You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we once again cover for you third watch. We are into the seventh episode of the fourth season. It's called Firestarter, and uh, much like the song by the same name by the Prodigy. Actually, there's no real similarities between the two, because one is extremely entertaining and you want to make sure that it's always consumed, and the other is an episode of Third Watch. Uh, this first aired on the 11th of November, 2002. It was written by Scott Williams, and it was directed by Nelson McCormick. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, except that my name is Ben, and sadly, unlike this episode, I make you feel good inside, huh? Right down to that little Johnson of yours. <laughs> Better not let Mallory hear you saying that. <laughs> my name's Darvell, and you're my driver. Now drive. Oh. And you're right. <laughs> I've never heard the song Firestarter, but I'm going to have to check it out because it has to be better than this piece of shit episode. <laughs> it has wow. to be better than that. It's usually me who's so negative and saying bad things, and you're right into it. I like this. Um yeah, if you've ever heard of uh, The Prodigy, look up the song Firestarter. No. It's, a, it's a great song. Um, I believe Weird Al Yankovic did a uh, parody of it at some point. Um, uh, Weird so... Al does a parody of... You could write You could write a song about anything and Weird Al would somehow come up with a parody of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. Maybe Third Watch, perhaps, uh, at one point. <laughs> but... <laughs> How would a Third Watch parody by Weird Al go? Uh, I think the episode would be called Firestarter and it would be the... Uh, seventh episode of the fourth season uh an episode that slightly resembles an episode of third watch but uh sadly uh isn't much good can i just like you you said already that it's a piece of shit um look we just had two of the best episodes ever of this show uh Mm -hmm. you know we were both in tears last week at just how good this show is in like emotional tears we weren't you know tears this week this is rubbish and to really follow up, we with were crying this, because it was so bad. Oh, like I don't even this know. Episode I mean. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the thing that I always remember about this episode is that we kind of just ignore sort of the the emotional heaviness that we had in the last couple of weeks, and we kind of start afresh, which is never you know a yeah, bad with, thing. With with the exception of Carlos pointing out that there was a big depressed cop passed out drunk on his living room couch, which killed the mood for whatever girl he managed to bring home that week, which I'm betting was a lie. Well, what do you think about <laughs> kind of some of our past episodes where we've had sort of a really big moment and they've tried to go for something different? I mean, clearly the big one being unfinished business followed up by the self-importance of being Carlos. Like, I mean, it kind of... Mm-hmm. We yeah, had that the, worked. It, it worked very well. But here we have this, and I just... I always forget how bad this episode is. <laughs> I always like to think it's not that bad, but it's bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I would say sorry to remind you, but you're the one leading the podcast. I, so, I am, yes. So it's, your, so it's your own fault that you had to rewatch it again. <laughs> well, I, I should always kind of reiterate, and as we have when it comes to bad episodes of the show, and we're getting in now to the second half of this uh, show, so we're going to get a lot more bad episodes than we've already had. But, as always, we should start off by saying, Darvell, that a bad episode of Third Watch is still a lot better than any good episode of Grey's Anatomy. That's a sentence that's not often said, a good episode of Grey's Anatomy. I'm sure there might be one. I don't know. Um, but uh, 15 seasons, or however long it's been on now, I'm sure there are a few. Surely they've I mean, nearly got to it, at least a rent it. It's been on. <laughs> like, they're nearly on the cusp of a rent it. I don't know. Um, but, so, again, we always reiterate that a bad episode of Third Watch is still much better than a lot of the crap that's out there, but this is a bad mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> yeah. And I Third just, Watch and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad episode. And I, yeah. I, I think the real problem with this episode, and this is maybe the first time I've ever really noticed this, it's the writing. There is, it is a terrible script. The dialogue in this episode, we've got Molly Price, we've got Jason Wiles, we've got great actors who are delivering lines that sound like they've been written by a first-year student at writing school. And I'm just saying this on the line right now, Darvell, to point this out, written by Scott Williams, what is the episode that he wrote after this episode? Hmm, Snowblind. So, clearly, he's on a bad track record from this point on. (laughs) 
Oh man, I I cannot wait till you. I cannot wait till we get to that episode, just so I can give you shit about it. But but to even point this out, but, like I'm not trying yeah. to be mean to Scott Williams, who, if people please listen to uh, my my second interview, Guy Norman B, where he basically defends Snowblind and sort of talks about Scott and said that, hey, I'll get Scott on the show for you, something that we're still trying to get because I want to grill Scott Williams. Can I just point out that after Snowblind? You think that, like, it can't get any worse. He co-writes Last Call. So, I think Scott Williams spent half of season four drunk, and then he realised about it and decided to write about it, and that's what Last Call was. So, that's just what... And Last Call was a great episode. We've said that several times so far, and we haven't even, when covering this season, we haven't even gotten to that episode yet, but that was a, that was a great episode. You have to, it's, it's you've got to give Scott episode. credit there. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, even previous to this, though, I, this is where I'm just trying to single out Scott here because he really is a, a hit and a miss when it comes to writing Third Watch. He wrote, well, was one of the writers of The Unforgiven, the episode we binned last season. But on top of that... Yeah, my very first bin. He wrote Cold Front, not the worst episode. It's a decent episode. Act Brave, mm-hmm. a good episode. Uh, he was also a writer on Adam 553. So, Scott good Williams episode. may be the most bipolar writer when it comes to Third Watch, that he either writes stuff that's brilliant or stuff that's absolutely shit. So, um, yeah, what is what is Scott Williams' deal here, Darbell? Uh, who knows? I'm just unscrolling. We'll have, to ask, we'll have to ask him if you're ever able to get him on the show. Well, I really hope we are, because, I mean, he does keep writing until season five. He, uh, I thought maybe season six we could blame on him, but he's got no part of season six. So, Scott no. Williams... And I season... Hope- Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. I, I want to hear your point. Oh, no, one, no one cares about me. Oh, I'm just bitching on Scott Williams here. <laughs> well, you mentioned season five again, and you know it's just like season four. We're gonna have some, we're gonna have some goodies and some baddies. I, I think we're gonna have most of the. I think most of the baddies are gonna come in, are gonna come in season six, but. We'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, just vampires, everybody. Vampires. It's coming. Um, but, all right, let's if get I into it. Wanna... <laughs> no, you go. Yeah. Please yeah. go. Let's, uh, I mean, if it, seriously, how is that third watch related? We'll, we'll rip on that when we get to it. We're let's being, get back to the present. We're being so polite to each other. I like it. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put this yeah. on the record right now that anything from this point on I say negative <laughs> against Scott Williams. It's nothing against you personally, Scott. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but dude, lay off the vodka because this episode, mate, you're drunk. Um, anyway. Okay, <laughs> third watch crew. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write an episode about an arsonist. How does that sound? Oh, you guys have done that already. Okay, well, how about we have them set a supermarket on fire? That hasn't been done yet. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I will say, like, on paper, there's some stuff here that could kind of work. But again, the alcohol was flowing in the Williams household. But, like, there's some stuff... (laughs) The thing... I think a lot of problems with this, too, outside of the writing, is that we start to get a glimmer of kind of what we get moving forward with Third Watch, is that they're falling away with the viewers, I feel. Like, it's a show that, by this point, it's really getting to the point where people are saying, like, oh, is that show still on? Um, and it's not producing the, the constant greatness that it did in the first three seasons. So, like, they're going to mm-hmm. go all out for, like, hey, let's have a huge explosion, you know, and, like, this is what we're going to get in kind of in this opening sequence. So, we've got Bosco having a nice old shot with his mum. Uh, Paddy D's back. We're glad. We like Paddy all D. Right, welcome back, Paddy D. Rose is in the house, and we're, we're not complaining mm-hmm. here. But, you know, after no. the, the emotional ending that was... Judgment Day Part 2, we're in tears, you know, Tatiana is dead, rip Tatiana. What do we need to follow that up with? Bosco late night shopping with his mum, because that just is, to me, the the perfect follow-up to the emotions that we've just experienced watching Third Watch. Um, there's great conversations. Because, yeah, <laughs> and a nice, nice light moment. Yeah, look, well, great conversations about, uh, you know, Bosco not producing any grandchildren, mildly flirting with a single mother, and uh, debating the merits of having fat-free half and half. And can I just point out that as an Australian, that we have three types of milk, and every time I go to North America, it confuses the shit out of me that there's like a hundred types of milk. Uh, even I'm confused at what's going on at this point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Well, there may be a hundred different types of milk here in the U.S., but me personally, I only drink 2%. Right, okay. I drink the one that comes from cows, so uh, I don't know if that makes me unusual. Well, that comes from, that comes from, well, hey, it comes from cows too. It all comes from cows. You know what, Scott Williams was drinking something that wasn't coming from cows, it comes from potatoes, I believe. Um, so... We've got this, great. So Bosco goes to get the milk, and he has this weird flashback to him as a kid in a trolley or a cart, as you would call it. We call it a trolley in Australia. Good for them, like, great. And then there's this really weird, like, zooming editing thing, which is met with, fire, fire! And then out of nowhere, the whole supermarket, like, blows up, essentially. Um, Bosco tries to save the woman and the kid, but something's more important, some stuffed animal that the kid's left behind. So she blows up and dies. And her Bosco's mum screaming that he's an idiot because he's going back in to save a woman. Now, look, I love Rose. We, we've, we've talked about our love for Rose Boscarelli. She's amazing. She's she's the Madonna of Third Watch because, again, she looks different. Once again, she's in an episode. She's done her hair. She looks different. She's different in every episode. But, like, okay, I get it. She's scared. She doesn't want to lose her son. But can we just But come on. You he, know what he does. He's an you emergency service worker. Like... Of course he's going to go in and try and rescue the kid and the woman. Um, so, basically, from this whole sequence, um, Bosco's getting checked out by Kim and Taylor's uh, obligatory appearance every four episodes in season four. Here she is. Uh, Welcome back, Alex. <laughs> she's in it for all of three seconds, kind of like Kim. Um, but we also get the return of Cruz. Remember her? That her one appearance she's had? <laughs> yeah, I do. Prancing because, around in those damn high heels or whatever the fuck she said at the end of season, uh, at the end of episode two. Well, because I think we sort of were working this out, weren't we, after um, The Chosen Few. We were sort of thinking like, oh, does she come back in before um, Crime and Punishment? She does. She's obviously here and she's there next week. So only yeah. kind of... Minor appearances, but... Minor appearance. And, like, we're not... No one's disliking Cruz at this point. Because, like, she sort of no. started off in episode two with the whole, as you said, her appearance. Like, just saying the line, basically, move, what the hell are you looking at? To... Now she's kind of nice. <laughs> um, so, it's weird <laughs> that Cruz at this point... It. Season four, Cruz. Nice. Not something you usually establish with much. So... Well, she, early season four, Cruz. Early season four. Yes, that's very true. Um, so Cruz is there questioning some people. Bosco sees a guy with glasses laughing about it. Um, Doc's there. There's a random woman who he sort of is, I guess, mildly flirting with. Um, cause, you know, Doc, the professional who is always going off at Carlos for doing things <laughs> like that. What's he doing? Yeah. Thinking with his dick while he's trying to save the people. The exact same thing Carlos did in season one with Vanji. This is the thing that's kind of weird about this. Before we kind of get the storyline of Carlos and sort of the the allegations with him with the sexual assault later on this season when things get a bit serious, like, Doc's kind of in this weird nowhere land, isn't he? That he's kind of... He's in the comic relief folly with Carlos for a few weeks. So... Which is not always bad. I don't mind it. Like, it's they're not ignored as much as we do when we get into season five and six, but... I don't know, it's kind of weirdly entertaining seeing Doc in this comedic level, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. although, again, I mean, you have to wonder, going back to Morales again, mm. we love and miss you, Morales, you know, is all this coming about as the result of not only him breaking up with her at the end of season two for no other reason than because he didn't want to go to Philadelphia. Um, Two-hour and drive, Doc. Out- <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, we really rode his we really rode his ass about that back in that back when we covered that episode. And apparently Michael Beach and Lisa Vidal really liked our response they did. our, our yeah. reaction to it. Um but not only that, but you know, him finding out in the chosen few this season that Sarah has gotten married to another man. I mean that has to be I'm not excusing him uh Being just, an older version of Carlos here, I'm just saying, you know, if she was still in the picture, maybe he wouldn't be doing any of this. Well, I'm assuming if she was still in the picture, he wouldn't be flirting with a younger woman. Um, but... yeah, a, a woman, a woman, a woman half his age. And, and can I just point out, I'm sorry, like, this woman is terrible. She has a boyfriend. And she essentially, oh, in about I could 20... not wait for you to address that. I you could not to... wait for you to address <laughs> 
And can I just can I just say this now, or do I have to wait no, until we get it. later into the episode? Let it let it rip. Go on. Okay, okay. You leave. You you leave your boyfriend who nearly fucking died <laughs> in an em- who nearly died. You you leave him while he is recovering for the paramedic. Who's <laughs> like double her age? <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I think... Look, I think we can probably just tick off all the Doc and Carlos stuff now while we're on the topic. We may as well, because, I mean... Because they really don't get a lot to work with. Well, all it borders down to is a bit of mild flirting here, then Carlos eventually is, you know, sort of, you know, talking up Doc and like, hey, hey, you totally could have her. Then later on, Doc's creepy in her boyfriend's room, like, oh, so is your girlfriend coming back later? To which then yeah. he tries to pick her up getting in an elevator. The the funniest bit about and- this, though, is Carlos in the background basically doing the ride the pony motion as he's chatting her up. That's hilarious. And then, like, basically... The ride the pony motion? I don't know, like, how I... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on a podcast right now. I'm motioning me sort of riding a pony, like, thrusting his hips, like, pretending okay. he's fucking her, all right? Like, let's just put it out there, right there. But okay. then... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just well, trying to paint song, a picture. The, the, yeah, the song does go, If you're horny, let's do it. Ride, ride it, my, my pony. pony. There we go. Uh, my, my saddle is waiting. Come <laughs> jump on it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Waters and Darvell Stewart. I didn't think you knew that song. Oh, come on. Everyone knows that song. Um, (laughs) Well, maybe. I don't know. But, (laughs) oh, where are we going with this? But, um, so, basically, that happens... It's think you think, and Doc's then Carlos been... is ripping into Doc about it, you know, making fun of. Uh, uh. <laughs> I do like Carlos's I, I impersonation. <laughs> it's it's almost spot on. Yeah, we hear the words "you're snaking make... her." Is that a thing? You're snaking her. I don't. I've never heard of that. Nor have I. Is that an early 2000s reference that have just died off slowly? <laughs> Probably. Or maybe that was the, maybe that was a Carlos Nieto invention. Or maybe that was a Scott Williams drunken invention. Oh, I know what's a good terminology for like flirting and shit. Snaking her. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> have another sip, Scott. Go on. Um. <laughs> But, um, and essentially you think that he's failed, but for some reason, Joy, which is her name, she knows where Doc and Carlos are parked. They're not even at the firehouse. Who knows where they are? Again, let's go back to season one when Vanjie was stalking Carlos with the receiver. That's bad, but Joy can do it, who has a boyfriend recovering in hospital, um, to all of a sudden find Doc. And then we get this, like, really weird, creepy bit where it's like, oh... I'll tell you my phone number. Oh, I don't have a pen. Oh, I've got a really good memory. And then it's kind of like silent. <laughs> Carlos is looking at them like they're about to have sex in the street. To then she walks off and it's like, Hey, yeah, I got a number. And Carlos is like, I'm so wrong. You know everything. And that's it. <laughs> Man, that whole thing, it, it seemed, it was just forced, you know? It yeah. Really, I mean, I mean, would... In reality, and you know what, we probably can't speak on this because we're men, but I'll ask it anyway. In reality, would a woman that young go for somebody like Doc? Well, I mean, I am nine years older than Mallory, so um, yeah. Well, like you're Doc's not age. twenty uh, years older than her. Well, maybe I am. I'm just hiding her age. Uh, no, that's creepy. Um, she'd be uh, yeah, eleven. That is creepy as fuck because she's. <laughs> She's what twenty three years old. That is that would be fucking creepy, man. Yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever said in the show. But um, no, it, is, <laughs> it really isn't. But hey, oh, that's a bad sign if people are listening to this as their first episode. What has he been saying? Um, yeah, really. But I mean, I think a, a huge a, one of the many problems with this episode is it's disjointed. And it just feels like they've got things, but they just don't know what to do with it. And I don't know if that's a, you know, Scott's obviously written it and Nelson McCormick has directed it. So, again, not sure if that's a directorial issue 
that they've got things and they just don't know where Because I think the big problem is, going back to sort of the Bosco stuff, when obviously the woman yeah. sadly has died in the fire, we've got this sort of brief storyline of the kid who's now an orphan, well, without a mother, and then we meet the dad. And then kind of it, it turns into this sort of hunt for, you know, the arsonist, and then it turns into... Well, we'll get to that. But, I mean, it's kind of... We've had this before in previous episodes when sort of there's a, a kid who's lost a parent, you know, or we had that one, was it yeah. season season one, isn't it, when the two kids alone lose in their mum? Yeah, and they've oh, got the cat. Oh, I, no, I, I was I was thinking of Alone in a Crowd, season one, episode 11, but you're thinking of... That's right at the end oh, of season gosh. one, isn't it, when they've got yeah, the cat? Yeah, yeah, episode episode 20, episode mm. 20 of season one, I completely... Again, we're the third watch Hold experts, on. we're doing well uh, here, a thousand pounds, a thousand points of light. <laughs> Yes, um, yes, that one. Yeah. But, I was um, thinking of Spring Forward, Fall Back, but that's episode 19. It is, yeah. One. Um, but it's just, it's kind of like they've got things there. And even lo and behold, and it's been a while since I've mentioned this, Darvell, even Dirty Kid felt like it had more relevance in an episode where Dirty Kid went nowhere. But, like, this kid is kind of like, oh, I've lost a mother. Oh, he's the dad. Oh, you're a hero. Let's just forget about that. Move on. Like, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just I need to bring up Dirty Kid. It's been a while. So yeah, um, yeah. welcome back, Dirty Kid. I I mean just I mean going back, we kind of cover a, a large bit here because again, this this is just disjointed. There's stuff going everywhere. We've got rid of Carlos and Doc. So essentially, um, Bosco's mum kind of has a bad turn, but you're like, oh my god, not Rose. And then next minute, they've just forgotten about her. Oh, she's fine. She's in hospital. Um, we get a and like this is where it doesn't make sense to me because this fire truck shows up. We see no firefighters that we recognise <clears throat> until later on when Jimmy shows up with Walsh and Walsh is like, oh, I took a fall. And then basically Bosco goes off at Jimmy because Jimmy's like, oh, because I saved your life or whatever. The truck that showed up had the engine number like 84 on it. It wasn't the 5.5 engine. So I don't get where Jimmy and Walsh were in all of this. They just appeared. And they were apparently the ones that saved Bosco. But when we saw the firefighters pull Bosco out, they were covered and they didn't have Doherty or that <coughs> written on their back. So... It just feels random. It's the obligatory, it's the obligatory firefighter moment. It, it, well, this, it is. It, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's really but, all it is. I mean, Jimmy's got to do something every three episodes, kind of like Taylor. But, like, I guess the thing that's just weird about it is that kind of I feel that at the beginning when the fire truck shows up, we should see, like, Jimmy and Walsh and DK and all that getting off the truck so we know, hey, here and they Lieutenant are. And Johnson and all yeah. them. But we don't. So it's it's kind of weird <clears throat> that they kind of lump this into it. But then even, like, it's been a while since we've sort of had Bosco and Jimmy having a bit of a go at each other, but even that's kind of just gelled over straight away. And yeah. I want to see Walsh. Why don't we get to see Walsh, like, fighting this fire and hurting himself? Like, again, as you said, the obligatory firefighter appearance, well, this is a perfect opportunity to show us them fighting a fire. <laughs> but we don't see it. Yeah, they were... Yeah, we... I was going to say... We don't really see any of that this season, do we? There's, we have like one episode. I mean, we generally have the one a season episode. I think the thing that I'm noticing with this season that's kind of becoming an issue is the fact that you're introducing new people and sort of trying to tie up storylines, but like no one's left this show yet. Obviously, season five has a really heavy set of our original people leaving. But if you think about it, we've got Cruz who's just been brought in, and she's about to become a really major part of this show in the next few weeks. You've still sort of just wrapped up the Sully and Tatiana stuff, which has kind of gone on a few seasons. And it still feels mm-hmm. like, even though we've kind of <clears throat> moved away from that for a week because we've had such heavy stuff, you still feel like there needs to be a little bit more on that. We're going to get a little bit of that in this episode. But it just it's like they've, they're switching so heavily focused to the police so randomly they're just our paramedics and firefighters are getting so forgotten about so quickly. I know we kind of had crash and burn a few weeks ago with Jimmy, but even that wasn't necessarily a fire episode. It was just Jimmy hooking up and going on a motorbike. So it's, I mean, it's, we're really starting to get these guys ignored and they just feel weird now, don't they? And it's, it's come about so quickly. Yeah, it's. You're speechless. I don't even, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm speechless because of just how of just how quickly it's coming about. I really didn't I really didn't appreciate that when I blazed my way through the show um, five or six years ago when the entire thing was still up on YouTube. Mm. 
But now that we're actually talking about this, I'm thinking, man, how did this show manage to last six seasons? Well, it's it's when it got so far away from its original premise. And like, I mean, that's a good point you made. But at the same time, I also feel we should back up a little bit here and like not be so doom and gloom because I mean. We love this show to death, and I, I know oh, yes, kind of. Yes. I, I know in sort of some of the comments that we've had, particularly in the Third Watch fans group on Facebook, there was sort of a comment there was said that you know I would never been an episode of Third Watch. It's such a great show, and I completely understand that statement. But like as we sort of said at the beginning of this episode, uh, this is going to be a bin. Let's not beat around the bush. This is going to be a bin. <laughs> but mm-hmm. again, we would still watch this episode over the majority of other TV shows, even some rentits and bin- uh, buys of shows like Lost and Nip Tuck that we're covering on this show. I think, and like by nowhere, we're not saying this show's jumped the shark or is in any way this show unwatchable. It's just we've just got a terrible episode, so we're going to be very negative about that. We've got some great episodes to come in this season. Oh, some yeah, great episodes do. to come in the future. This show is still great. It's really, to me, season six when you're really like, holy crap, this show is stretching for life. I just feel that going back on your point there where it's kind of shifted away so much from what it used to be, shows develop, shows change. The longer they're on air, they realise they've got to, they've got to change the way they go. Otherwise they do become repetitive. Third Watch is trying something a little bit different. And I think the landscape of TV that we've known through interviews that we've had on this show with people, that there really was a network shift towards this becoming more of a cop show, which is out of the hands, I guess, of the writers. So I think kind of as much as we're ripping into dear old drunken Scott here, they've probably, he's probably got sort of the, the, the word from the network, hey, shift this on the cops, we want a story about arsons, let's get crews involved a little bit, kind of let's do this. So they're, they're doing what they can, and sadly it's not to the standard of what we're used to in the first three seasons of this show. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that, I don't remember which interview it was, but I'm pretty sure, it might have been Amy Carlson. I'm uh, she said so- she mentioned something about how, you know, at that at the time, around about this time, you know, shows like CSI were mm. really were really blowing up, and mm-hmm. no question, CSI, fantastic show, very very groundbreaking, but stuff like that, and you know, other cop shows, there have always been cop shows, but yeah, they were really. Well, see, you're right. See, that's a good thing to mention with CSI because, I mean, yeah, around about 2002, that was the biggest show on TV. And it sort of really refreshed the genre of, you know, procedural police, police shows. Procedural. Yeah. And Third Watch was never a police procedural. Third Watch benefited on the three levels of story arcs that they're telling. And I think, you know, one show that... We're going off on tangents, we do this all the time, but one show I think that I'm, I'm sort of disappointed in a way that we never covered every single episode. We did obviously the pilot, but we didn't continue doing it. It's 911. I don't know if you've kept watching it, Darvel, but it's, it's, it's. Oh, f- um, I, I didn't watch it last season, but I started watching it when the new season premiered, mm-hmm. um, a week ago. And I'm actually finding it pretty good. I need to go back and watch it's, season one. Well, look, I really, I really feel that we need to at some point, cover it because i think what's great about 911 and we're going on a bit of a tangent here is that obviously we know oh, it's we essentially it's modern third watch and we know that it's ryan murphy's it really third is. watch and we know how much i love ryan murphy but the thing that i find fascinating about 911 is that they've really gone for almost a comedic over the top feel to it which is very ryan murphy which i love and there's such a focus on the firefighters, which is hilarious because I guess in this day and age where like Chicago fire really is kind of like the eye candy one for the girls and the guys with the every three seconds. Oh, my shirt's on fire. Look at my six pack. Um, <coughs> they've, they've really focused heavily on the firefighters because if you, if you fully watch 911, Angela Bassett's basically the only cop in the show. Um, and then the firefighters and paramedics. To me, it all, I get confused because I swear firefighters are doing paramedic jobs and paramedics are doing firefighter jobs sometimes. It's not like in Third Watch where there's a clear distinguishable difference. Um, it's a unique show. It's very interesting, particularly knowing Third Watch as much as we do. But the one thing which is really noticeable about Third Watch, and I tweeted this out the other day to Guy Norman B, because we talked about this in our interview, is the fact that, gee, they recycle some Third Watch storylines. <laughs> like, it's, it's ridiculous. In, 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 in 911, they recycled some oh, Third Watch storylines. To, to put it well, to, a, to a theory, we had the, um, just to sort of date this a little bit, we've just, as you mentioned, they've started season two. 
and in the space of like a week, we had um, some. They had an earthquake, and they were there was a guy trapped in a oh, rubble yes! of a building, yes! and had the airbag yes! right. Demo- Demolition Derby. I immediately thought of that when I when I watched that when I watched that episode. I was like, oh god, why does this remind me of Demolition Derby? Yeah, and there was um oh there was another storyline that was basically ripped exactly from Third Watch. Um, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that after. Well, but I only it, started watching this season, so I couldn't tell you. Well, there was about 101,000 <laughs> different things that were ripped off from this in the first season. Um, yeah. oh, there was, oh, the other one I was thinking of, the other storyline kind of, and we just obviously recently talked about this with, um, Blackout and Lights Up was the fact that Angela Bassett's character had a criminal locked in the back of her car. The earthquake happened and she then oh, needed yes. assistance. So she got him to help out. And then of course she uh-huh. had to lock him back up afterwards. And it's all like, Oh, can't you release me? I just helped out. So it's like, Hmm, where does that sound familiar? <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. And anyway. you know, I actually remember when 911 first premiered and this, like I said, this was before I got into it. Someone posted in the third watch fans Facebook group asking if anybody watched it. Um, and people were saying at that time, people were saying that, you know, they, they, the general consensus was, yeah, but I don't get the same level of, ex- of excitement that I did from third watch. You know, we should revisit that, you know, it's, see what well, people think of it now. It's a very good point because I, I mean, Colin and I recapped the pilot and we both rented it and we were both like, look, this is interesting. But I think it's really a show that it's entertaining on its own right that yes, it's a very similar show, but it's it's got its merits, and again, I'm thrown to the Ryan Murphyness of this of this show because there is a large element of like dark comedy to it, just the way they play mm-hmm. up the victims, and they still do unique things about it, which I think kind of work. And I think the thing that I'm actually enjoying about it too, which obviously we know Third Watch does well in Spades, is kind of use New York as a character. Is it surprises me actually how the much they with use LA? Yeah, yeah, and like that's I'm I'm enjoying that because I think that. Um, it's, it's key for a show like this that you have the, the location heavily involved. And mm-hmm. I don't watch enough of the Chicago, whatever they are, to know if they use Chicago that way, but they're definitely doing they do. that 911. So that's a tangent. Yep, and, 911, and we have with, to eventually do properly. Yep. And also with 911, <laughs> Fox actually promotes it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fox it's only the second promote- season. <laughs> yeah, but, but still. Still, Fox Fox actually promotes it, and it has a really it by today's standards, it does have a pretty sizable audience. Well, I mean, in all fairness, so what has what has Fox got to promote anyway? I mean, The Simpsons is you know not been really much. twenty years, so uh, twenty four's dead. The X Files is on break, so like, anyway, um, yeah, they really don't they really don't have a lot. But I mean, Fox has always been like that. You know, they really haven't had a lot compared to say CBS, ABC, or NBC. And none of them have but anything they have anyway. Made- it's all it's all on Netflix now, and and you know Amazon oh, and Hulu hey, and, hey, and HBO. Hey, this, is, this is us is good. This I've is never us watched is it. good. I never watched. I started watching Manifest, which is kind of the new Lost. Um, I don't know how I feel about the first couple episodes, but anyway, we're on tangents. We're just not wanting to talk about this episode. Um, yeah, Rose is burnt. Can we just go ahead and say that uh, we're going to bin it and be done with it. <laughs> Okay, let's literally, like, how long have we been talking for? We've been talking for 33 minutes. I reckon we can finish this next bit in five minutes. Do you, do you yeah. have faith in me here? All right, let's yeah. do this. So, Bosco is in hospital because, um, you know, he's getting checked out. He's tough, so he walks away. Kim's there with the kid that gets ignored about in five minutes. Kim doesn't remember the name of Joey, so she says, my son didn't say much at that age. So, um, yeah, good on you, Kim. Um, then basically Jimmy talks to Bosco about it. it could have been an arsonist. And this is, this is again where this terrible dialogue just, just is terrible because Eddie Cibrian, he's not the best actor out of everyone in the show, but he's not a bad actor. And just no. him delivering these lines about like, oh, I'd like to get my hands on the son of a bitch. It just sounds so bad. Um, so basically we've got an arsonist. What a surprise. Bosco goes up to anti-crime, tries to find Reyes. We see Cruz again, um, and this is nice Cruz, essentially, saying that, hey, can I help out? I've been up here a couple of times. And Cruz says, yeah, sure, you can come and look through the computer. I do like the bit where Cruz is kind of like, you've worked up here once, you know, don't lie to me again. Like, I do kind of like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that, that was funny. That was and a I do, funny line. I do also like the fact that that kind of ties it in, because at the same time, 
you know, we're thinking like, oh, is Bosco continue to work up an anti-crime? We just haven't seen it. But I do kind of like the way they sort of quickly, you know, quickly cover that up. Um, yeah. Bosco is looking through photos. Oh, actually, hang on. We should mention the quick little, the one reference we do get to Sully's situation. Uh, he's basically drunk and asleep on Carlos and Davis's couch. Um, and I do, you do, I mean, that bit is kind of, I, I think it's a decent follow-up, but I would have liked more. It is. Um, and obviously, you know, Carlos is talking trash about him and we sort of see that Sully's awake through this whole thing. So it's like, ooh. Poor. And he hears it probably. He does. Poor old, uh, poor old Sully. But, poor, um, poor old Sully. But, uh, essentially Bosco's looking through photos. Yokus comes in. Cruz says Yokus can help. For the first time, Yokus and Cruz meet. That's, I guess, a bit of a, a big moment there. Um, mm-hmm. and then the, the real confusing thing about this episode too. We meet our guy here who's the arson expert, right? You know, where he's telling us about how arson's such a hard thing to prove and all this sort of stuff. At any point do we hear his name in this point? Because the big twist... No. Well, the big twist in this episode is that his son is the one doing this. And we're going to see Wait, that... what? As- yeah, see? Like, you don't even understand this. No, I... <laughs> I did not even notice Case that. Case in point. <laughs> that completely flew over my, that completely flew over my well, head so when I, I watched I, the episode the other okay, night. Okay, and, and I think I mean, a, a large portion of this, and I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit where this comes from. And, and like obviously, Darvell, you're, uh, am I allowed to say you're blind? I mean, what's the correct yes, terminology? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and that's, uh, you, for those of you listening at home, Darvell actually is it. blind. Like, I'm not being an asshole and yes. saying that you're blind for missing this fact. Because, seriously, <laughs> I've, I can see and I barely catch this point. But when we see them later on going through the evidence, we see the name on the computer as whatever this arsonist dad's guy name is, the son, it's such and such junior. So we're meant to all of a sudden be like, oh, plot twist, it's his son. We never hear the guy's name. They could put Freddie Smith Jr. on there and be like, oh, my God, shock. And we're like, I don't fucking know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. It's- so anyway, that's kind of what this oh, is leading this to. So It's a fucking mess. We meet the arsonist's yep. dad. I'm talking too much. This episode's crap. We're the arsonist's dad. <laughs> arsonist is a hard crime to solve. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. what, what else is it? Oh, we get a be- brief bit of Davis complaining that he doesn't want to drive. Okay. Um, that Bosco and Yokus are driving around because apparently this is, this is just such a weird thing about this episode, right? So if there's an arson the night before, let's just drive around New York. I'm sure we might see him just walking down the street. It's a city of 10 million people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could pick him out. Absolutely. I mean, God damn it! after 9-11, Osama Bin Laden just walked around the streets of Manhattan. Oh, there he is. There, get him. So, <laughs> lucky, lucky Bosco driving. Oh, there he is. <laughs> he starts chasing Wrong after him. person. <laughs> Bosco's still sore from being burnt. This isn't the right guy. He calls the cops fascists. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Davis sees a friend who wants him to hook him up with a better gold shield. Says driving Chief Daisy has a bit of a go. Again, where's this going? This doesn't go anywhere in this episode. It feels so out of place. Um, this whole storyline is out of place. Kim comes up with uh, the dad of the kid. Ways. Bosco lies and says that the mother saved the kid for some reason. Okay. Um... <laughs> What I mean, it's is... not entire. It's not entirely far fetched. That's not yeah. entirely far fetched, but it just didn't happen this particular time. There's the meanwhile, Bosco and Yokus go back to the scene of the crime. Jimmy just happens to be there. Jimmy reckons everyone wants to be a firefighter. The fire marshal, who we still don't know his name, is there. Cool. Um, then there's another radio call. There's another fire. Cruz is there. She's being nice. The same guy who was staring at the fire the night before he's laughing Bosco says he's got a little penis um (laughs) (laughs) it's not him um basically they go through the evidence here's the big twist (gasps) it's the guy's son who can I also just point out that he the the son that they arrest right again Mm -hmm. we're meant to be shocked because it's the same name as a fire person that we don't know his name he looks exactly the same as Joy's boyfriend as well as the guy who is the dad of the kid that mum died. So there are three guys in this Wait, episode who I what? swear are the same person. They're not, but I swear they are. <laughs> so Maybe they're triplets. 
Maybe. So we kind of get this guy being brought into questioning because Cruz is just flirting on his car or something like that. And essentially the only reason he's been lighting these fires is because he wants attention from his dad. He wants attention from daddy. And, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't condone... condone... That is... You, you, you finish your statement. Go. I was going to say, that is... Okay. I know people have... I know people have parent issues. But, come on. Just how often are they going to overplay that reasoning? I mean, not 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 just third watch, but... Well, we've, I think to interrupt, these- you, to interrupt you, Darbell, I think uh, we've long established on loss that the whole show is based around people having daddy issues. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't condone police brutality, but at this point, I'm with Bosco. Bash this little shit up. Like, seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, really. Anyway, so, yeah, his whole reasoning, he wants attention from his dad. And this is this is, again, where... There's a missed opportunity here because this is kind of like a, a unique storyline. Like, son of an arson chief lights fires. It's kind of like, let's go back to, was it season two when Joey lit the fire? Or was that season one lit the fire? Season two. It was, was season, season two, it was episode season, it was five, season two. Kim's Hope Chest. Oh, God, you're good with this, Darville. Um, So, again, explore this more. Scott, like, with the vodka that, running out at this point? Revealed, have that revealed earlier in the episode and then... Yeah. Make make the arson chief more prominent so that we know who he is. So that when you do reveal it's his son, because again, that's kind of a neat twist. Like, make it more... If done right. Like, yeah. Like, it's... I mean, again, I'm not trying to bring your situation into this Mortarville, but like, even no, no, as someone no, no, no. who can't... Even as someone who can't see, who you do a fantastic job coming on this show and, and watching and, and analysing the show, for someone who can't really see what's going on, like, you do fantastic. Like, you still catch up on things on this show. You pick up on what's going on. Like, write this for someone like Darvell, who that he's still going to be like, oh, it's his son, oh, my God, shock! Like... <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, <laughs> side note, side note here. <laughs> I... One of my favorite things, one of my favorite things to do is, is I love, I love watching, I love watching movies and stuff. And occasionally I'll watch, occasionally I'll watch movies with my grandma. And she often says that I, <laughs> she often says to people, he gets more out of them than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, the thing that I love just on a quick tangent, like with no, the no, movies, no. Go ahead. The, the ones that I've discovered have the, um, the, the audio description for visually impaired. Yes. So I, yes. I love just listening to those tracks because they're so specific. They're like, Bosco walks into the room. He looks disappointed. He shifts his hand three centimeters to the left and moves three blades of hair on his chest. He then takes his shirt off and scratches his nipple 30 centimeters in a circular motion. Like, like it's, it's amazing. I want that job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I watch a, it, it used to be that I wouldn't that I wouldn't watch a show with audio description because I always and I still do I I always found it more entertaining to just to not even to not even rely on that to, you know to just guess what's mm. happening let my imagination just run wild but I'll tell you since starting to watch things on Netflix I've discovered that you know in some ways depending on the show the audio description actually helps mm. two it's- examples. Two, yeah, two examples. Thirteen reasons why. Yes, I watched that, and it is a great show. And Orange is the New Black. I've never watched either. I wouldn't mind watching Thirteen Reasons Why. It's on the list. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, I feel one thing that I to compliment you is that you know you've been doing this show for for a couple of seasons now. You're fantastic, and I feel that only a couple of times it's been brought up that you are blind, and it's it's great. The fact that I mean, it's not great that you're blind. That's sad, but like, it's great hey. that you. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it like that. I... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you're good, babe. You are good. You're good. What I mean, I mean the, the way I look, the way I look at it is, hey, it's. I mean, yeah, sometimes it does kind of get to me a little bit, but hey. The, the gotta do, the, gotta was, do the best with what you have, but go the, on. The point I was trying it to make takes a, it takes is a that lot it's to offend great you, man. to have you on the show and to to for us to be able to discuss these episodes without it 
ever really being a factor and i appreciate that and i think that's great and i i commend you for you being you there you go did (laughs) i dig myself out of that hole <laughs> well, you really didn't dig yourself into a hole to begin with, because like I told you, it takes a lot to offend me. You are, it, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than that. I'll work on something and I'll yep. see if you hang up on me once. Um, or- <laughs> and I think I heard, I think I heard, I think I heard Mallory kind of laughing in the background too, like, uh, Ben, I think you might be digging yourself a hole She's here. She's like, huh? stop, Ben, stop, just don't, just don't. Well, um, Mallory, everything's good. We're cool. <laughs> But, uh, where were we? Okay, so the episode, so yes, it's the son, the dad comes in, oh boohoo, it can't be my son, I'll take the fall for it. Um, and- Well, for basi- what though? You, you, uh, for what though, man? You, you didn't do anything. You weren't which, the one lighting those fires, it's not your fault. Well, which, I mean, maybe if you had paid a little more attention to your son, he wouldn't be going crazy like this, but who knows? But the problem I have with all of this is that, like, they all of a sudden, out of nowhere, kind of have this bubble of, let's make this story about a parent would do anything for their kid. Now, we had a bit that of that... That could have worked. But we had a bit of that with Rose, obviously, earlier, and we kind of gelled over that scene, but there wasn't really a lot to talk about with, like, Rose kind of, you know, having that discussion with Bosco about, you know, all that sort of stuff, and, oh, the reason I drink is because I'm worried about you. But, like, I think the thing is is if you're trying to make that the theme of this episode, do it better, because it's so rushed at the end. And then we have this scene at the end with Bosco and Yoko's kind of Bosco questioning, like, what have you done that for Emily? And she's kind of like, well, you know, you would do anything. And I'm kind of thinking, hmm, in a few episodes, time would you get caught with drugs? No, you're not going to take the fall for her, so shut up. Uh, and <laughs> secondly, what, what this episode is to me is, is so Yoko's can have that last-minute speech which is then tacked on to the beginning of the next episode, like, straight away. When you watch these back-to-back, like, you notice it. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's poor writing, because Molly Price is such a great actress, but even she can't make that line sound good. Like, Meryl Streep would struggle. Oh, let's be honest, Meryl Streep could have done it. She's amazing. But, like, anyone else, it's not Meryl Streep, would struggle to make that line sound good. <laughs> yeah... I mean, I won't, I won't offend Meryl Streep. Come on now. No, I have we, sense. <laughs> you know, we, we ought to come, we ought to, we ought to make a list of things that could have made this episode better after uh, we've been it. Not drinking vodka while writing it, Scott Williams. <laughs> um, the yeah. only other, the only other <laughs> bit, two, two bits to end this off. We do have uh-huh. the scene where Sully shows up to the firehouse and it's kind of just a, hey, come back soon. And, um, wait, what's Sully doing at the firehouse? Uh, the the police house the whatever where the police okay. go uh, <laughs> yeah they go to the police station they don't go to the firehouse well see, unless see, their building is being burned down or something or there's or there's a guy who or there's a guy in there who is um, contaminated with radioactive material oh spoiler alert sorry can, but by the time we get there you'll have forgotten about it can I just point out that I'm the one who can see and yet I don't know what the hell is going on in this episode right now um, and <laughs> well for once we're in the same boat. <laughs> And then at the end of the episode, uh, what are we, seven episodes in, and I feel that five of these episodes have ended on a montage. Uh, good song, Sympathy yep. by Goo Goo Dolls. It's a good song, but um, all it really serves is to have Yokus tucking Emily in, Sully drinking in a bar, and Bosco apologising to his mum. The end. Bin it. It's shit. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we shall. So, so okay. I, I, I should literally, literally... Uh, add that. Why am I saying literally? That doesn't make any sense. You are binning this episode, Darvell. I need yes, I am binning it. I am binning it. Your second ever bin. Oh, look at that. Um, congratulations. How do you feel right now? Well, <laughs> you speak. Will it be? Again. Will it? Will it be? Will it be two in a row? By the time we get done with Ladies' Day? Well, before I get to Ladies' Day, I just will add that after 73 episodes of Third Watch, currently this is the 72nd episode, uh, I have The Unforgiven below this. So I still feel The Unforgiven is a worse episode of Third Watch. Um, And Demolition Derby, I have ahead of Firestarter, so there you go. So this is my third bin. So your second bin, my third bin. So, um... There you go. We're, we're doing all right. Four seasons in and we've yep. only had three bins. I don't think we've got that record with Lost and Nip Tuck. Um, Ladies' Day is next week. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. Ladies' Day is a better episode than 
Firestarter. Whether or not that means that I'm going to not bin it, who knows? I, I like the thing with Ladies' Day is that I always lump Ladies' Day. In Ladies' Snow Day, you Blind. could actually get into. Well, this is the thing. I always lump Ladies' Day and Snowblind sort of together because welcome to the world of Emily-centric episodes. And the thing that I can appreciate about Ladies' Day is that, as you just said, you can get into this episode. It has a coherent storyline. It actually has some really good acting, and it has some good guest stars in it. We start yep. to get some good crews in it, but then there's Emily, and for once, and- Bonnie <laughs> Dennison isn't an un- and once and for once Emily played by and once for once Emily isn't an ungrateful bitch because she actually spoiler alert, and we can get more into this when we actually cover the episode. She does gain more appreciation for what her mo- for what her mother does. Yes. But then she's also Emily, and she yeah. does it in a way that still will annoy you. Um, so there's, there's there's a fair bit to talk. About. I feel. I mean, again, the story luck is kind of safe, uh, straightforward. Safe. That's not the word. But there is some stuff in this episode which I think works a lot better than this week. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we we get. I mean, Titus Weliver. I don't know if we say Titus Weliver or Weliver. Um, aka, um, oh, not Jacob, the man in black from Lost. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a big connection to obviously what we're doing on one of our other shows, but, uh, I like him. I really like him as an actor. He's been in a lot of other things. So, um, you know, some stuff to talk did about. Did he play, end. did he play one of, did he play one of the bank robbers or? Uh, he was the main bank robber. He's Cameron. So, uh, Cameron. Yeah. 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 So, um, He's he's I like him I like him as an actor so he, we'll, uh, and he he was great he was good in that role and we can get more into that when we get to the episode but yeah he he was very convincing yeah very much so I definitely agree with that so that's next week that's Ladies Day you can have a Ladies Day with us by listening to that I don't know where I was going with that um you can like us on Facebook <laughs> please like we're not that bad like you know I think this deserves a like follow us we're pretty on cool. Twitter we're on YouTube. Rate us on iTunes. I'm going to give this about a 2.7, I think, this episode. Some comedy really landed well, but then I offended the blind, so probably no, not worth didn't. it. No, you did Well, you probably. didn't offend me. I can't, I can't speak for everybody, but you didn't offend me. Well, I, I, I was about to say something very inappropriate there, but I'm not going to. No, uh, go but, ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that I could get all the blind people to write a review, but they can't see the keyboard. So next week, <laughs> tune in. And you can verbalise your criticism of me ripping off poor people like that. My name is <laughs> Ben, and um, you're a whiny little bitch. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Ben. My name's Darvell, and see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.